0: This is the Josh Innes Show on ESPN 975. And on ESPN975.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Here's Josh Innes. Welcome in, Josh Innes Show,
1: hour number two. But today, it is the JNR Show because Rich Lord is here. Give it to me, Nick. There we go. So cool. Now we're back
2: officially.
0: I'm Redskins owner Dan Snyder. You found it. This is Archie Manning. You found it. Coach Dick Vermeil. You found it. You're listening to Josh and Rich, and you found it.
1: Hello, I'm Ines Science, and you found That's
0: it. Dated. Hi, this is Nolan Ryan, and you found it.
3: I am Adam Sandler, and great news, guys. You found it.
1: And what's great about that is it's so dated that one of those people is dead. One of those people is career we've never heard from again. I think every one of those pieces of audio was from the Dallas Super Bowl. Remind me who Anna Signs was. She was this really hot I think that reporter from, was it Mexican TV? Right, but why had she been a big name? I forgot. I, she did. Like, was she a weather person that just had, like a really hot weather person feel in like Mexico? I like there was some
3: incident that put her on the map.
1: But she was walking around at the Super Bowl when we yeah, were in Dallas. Yeah. That, that odd time where we went to sleep on Sunday, woke up the next day and it was snowing and we could barely get down to the It was cold it, in that ballroom. It was. Was And by, th- by the way,
3: if you didn't recognize all those voices, the uh, late person in that open that Josh just mentioned was Pat Summerall.
1: Pat Summerall. That is so
3: freaking cool. I
1: wish I would have had him actually say Josh and Rich because it just says – or say his name. You know, like it's like so you know oh, it's Pat man. Summerall. Like that had to have been right before he died because like he – if I recall it about was. that interview, he yeah. talked a lot about like how he was an alcoholic. Yo, and yeah, yeah. He talked about the intervention. Like it's amazing. Like we got to talk to some cool people in our day. We had Definitely. some moments, man. Uh, let me see here. Let's talk to a few people. Then we're going to call Jim and then we're going to call Ben who used to produce the show as well. Uh, Ron, uh, actually, you know, hold on. Ron, we're going to get to you, but TJ's there too. TJ, thank you for holding, buddy. What's going on?
4: TJ. Yeah, TJ here. I just want to say I met Rich Lord several years ago at Russell Smith Ford. He's a real nice guy. I enjoyed uh, the Triple Threat, and I miss you a whole bunch. And before that, I enjoyed the original JNR show, especially the part where Josh used to be God with that vocator he used. So big uh, shout-out to you, Rich. Thank you, TJ.
3: Appreciate that. Thank you, TJ. Russell and Ford, that's a long – Russell and Smith, that's a long time ago. That's
1: that, because I don't even – I wasn't even around for that. So um, here's a question that I need to ask you, though. Did you feel slighted in any way, or do you feel it was off when – did you feel that whenever you got let go that they had basically brought in Clint for you to teach your replacement? Did you ever get that feeling after – I did not, no. I did. Like, that to me kind of felt like, I don't know that you bring in that, the guy. Like, to me, it felt like they brought him in, and they're like, well, let him hang out with Rich. And since he's on with Rich, you, you wet your, your beak a little bit, whatever. And then now he's going to take your job. Like, that's what it felt like to me. And another thing, and I have nothing against Sean. Sean's a very nice guy. He is. My issue is I felt like you were punished potentially for the failure of the show when the other part of the show was rewarded with a morning show. Like, that's how that was viewed to me. Like, to me, if you're a show, you're a show. And if the show works and the show doesn't work, it ends. It's not like, hey, the show didn't work, but one guy on the show didn't work. The other guy's going to get elevated to the primetime slot on the station. Like, that bothered yeah. me, too.
3: Uh, the irony of it is, uh, and I believe David Barron wrote about this at the time, the week I was let go, we were the number one show in Afternoon Drive.
1: How about that? How about that? It's funny how these things work but out. But those things a- are fleeting. They, they come, are they extremely come and go. fleeting. When I tell, like... I, we didn't really look at ratings a ton when Gavin was there because Gavin was kind of like, "Hey, you guys are number one or whatever." Never told us the numbers. I didn't become addicted to numbers consumption until I got to Philadelphia, and I was an addict. Like I had, mm-hmm. I like you want to talk about being an addict. It wasn't just show me the numbers; it was show me how we got the numbers. And you can see that from looking at meters. You can read meters. Sure. I was addicted to it. Like it was, and I still am to a degree. Although here I don't really have access to any of that, and that's probably good. So it probably is. It's it's very good for my health.
3: Gavin used to get so mad when you. T- take over his computer in the post-show meeting oh, yeah. to analyze the ratings.
1: Absolutely. but And this is real talk, and this is no insult to anyone who's here anywhere else. When we were cooking at 610, it was really like no other radio station existed. Like, I mean, it was us, and then it was like a lot of people trying to catch us. And I even talked with AJ about that. When I left... To go to Philly, AJ, who I'd never spoken with before, sends me a message, and he's like, "I'm really glad you're leaving." You know what we like? We really cooked at one point, and I give Gavin a lot of credit for that. Yes. I think, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want. And can you get Jim on the phone over there too, Nick? I sent you his number. Um, whenever they brought in Nick to replace Mark, I felt the station have a bit of a turn. And I was still there at the time because I was there for about a year that Nick was in. Mm-hmm. And I think it became more of a political radio station. A lot of stories were big and like, you know, I mean, they were all kind of social issues at that time too. There was the right. the issue with uh, Adrian Peterson hitting his kid with a like a, a rope or so, uh, the, the, the cord. Uh, you know, there were big political stories. And I think what happened is the station went away from being kind of a fun, everybody's a buddy, to a, maybe a more combative atmosphere and maybe a little bit more of a politically driven atmosphere i wouldn't dispute that and i think that hurt and i think that a lot of the younger people there were kind of following his lead and i think it kind of impacted the quality but i will tell you this when we were on in the afternoon when mike and brad were in the middays and that's not to slight anybody else mad but radio when mad radio got that start, and when mark and john were in the morning that was a really good lineup. And I think uh, eventually, like, Fred was at night at one point. Uh, Barry was there with Sean for a while. They, like, You thought we hated each other. <laughs> like, at least at times, we liked each other. Those two guys on a regular basis. Remember that day that Barry walked in and was so mad about something I did? He, like, f- like forearm shivved me while I was on the air? Like, there were some things that, that went, like, it was screwy. But I'll give Barry this, and I don't know if he's listening. But Barry used to tell me all the time when I first got here and I was like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to L.A. I'm getting calls like at the times like Seattle, Kansas City, all these places were calling. And he says, Savant, here's what you need to know you don't know what you don't know chirp and he went wrong because i sit here and i blew this thing up like I, I said i'm ready to get the hell out of here and he's like you're not ready to go to la or any of these see, places he, chirp
3: see i'm hesitant to comment on anything about barry because he may be waiting for me outside <laughs> you have no idea how much he hates me now really and what you know why what did you do because i laughed at your jokes
1: oh no it's- <laughs> I did, but Barry laughed at the jokes for a long time.
3: His his uh, his his perception of that whole situation was that I should have been his defender, and instead I laughed at your, by the way, extremely funny material. But he.
1: But he the- problem is he took it all so serious. And if you want to blame anyone, blame Gavin. Gavin's the one that kept telling me to make fun of people on the station.
3: The only other times I've seen Barry since then, he's muttered F-bombs under his breath at me. <laughs> I, me I'm Jim, not lying. Me and Jim
1: saw him in the, uh, the, the gallery. <laughs> he walked past me, and he 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 wanted to attack me. I'm telling you the truth. Well, you saw the time that he came in, and just like, I'm in the middle of a segment, and he just... Rams into oh, yeah. me in the middle of the segment. Yeah. Like, but I see the thing is though, I know that I was also an a hole a lot of the time. Like, so, like, I get why people would dislike me. Now I'm a little bit more toned down when it comes to the inner office stuff, but I was a nutcase for a long time there. Yeah. And I was a nutcase for a long time in Philadelphia. And I thought I calmed down here when I got to 790, but that—I mean—that was a mess over there as well. So again,
3: I'd like to move on because there'll probably be an engine revving outside when I leave this place. But
1: here's why I love Barry. Like when I got here, he took me under his wing, and I took me to all the ball games, introduced me to people that he said he knew. I don't know that he really did. But then there were days that, like Barry would call me and go, "Savant." I am picking you up, and I am taking you to meet somebody. And I'd go, all right, Barry. So at the time, he had a Jaguar, if you'll recall, like a Jaguar. And he rolled up, and he says, Savant, we are going to the Four Seasons Hotel. I said, all right, let's go. So we go to the, the Four Seasons Hotel. And we'd sit down, and he goes, Savant, you're going to love who we're going to meet. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't know who the hell this is. Out walks Dominique Wilkins, sits down with Barry, and I'm like, And he's like – and I don't know that the guy remembers Barry or they don't, but they all act like they do. So it becomes like this whole thing where he's like, they're best friends. And he's sharing these awesome basketball stories. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Like Barry – and the other cool thing about Barry is Barry will come out like after – like at a a Rockets game during warm-ups after you go eat downstairs. You had to come out to come back up the stairs to go sit in the press area he'd just walk out on the court while dudes are warming up and start carrying on a conversation. Like, there's a layup line, and Barry walks over and just starts talking with Chris Paul one day. Oh, and Barry, I'm like, what is happening here?
3: Say what you will about Barry. He's the greatest networker I've ever met in my life.
1: Unreal. Well, you know how he got the job at 610? It's like Nolan Ryan called Gavin, and he's like, hey, hire my friend Barry.
3: Ga- Gavin's in a meeting. His phone buzzes. He can't pick it up. He comes out of the meeting. He checks his voicemail, and on his voicemail, Hi, Gavin, this is no Ryan. I think you should hire Barry Warner. And, and Jim Nance, Jim Nance did the same he just did thing. He said the same and, hello and friends. Called Gavin Spittle and said hire Barry Warner. So as far as networking, there's never been a better networker than
1: than Barry Warner. God, let's talk with uh Jim Mudd for a second here. Now, Jim. He was kind of like, uh, I won't call him Shimp of the show, because Shimp came first and then left. He kind of got the Curly Joe treatment. Like, he got there right at the end, like right when it blew up. Jim, how are you?
2: I'm great. How are you guys? Good. So, nice to hear you guys together again, by the way. Well,
1: thank you. Well, what? Jim, uh, we want to know, what is your job again? What do you do?
2: I work for uh, Veterans Evaluation Services. Basically, it's one of four companies that is contracted to help evaluate veterans for their disabilities and pension. You're doing the Lord's work, then? Yeah, yeah. Unless you sell next week, I get my white coat and and reflex hammer. So (laughs) the God,
1: good Lord, willing, and the creek don't rise, right? Yep. So you got the gig with us, like in the last year of it. So you got to be there for arguably the wackiest, but also the most uh, hostile era of the J and R show.
2: Yeah, I feel a lot like Timothy B. Schmidt must have felt whenever he replaced uh, Randy Meisner.
1: Wow. Because <laughs> you get there and you're like, this is finally, I'm no longer in Poco. No offense to Mad Radio. But Mad Radio was Poco <laughs> in this case. And Timothy B. Schmidt's like, I'm out of Poco. And that's what Jim says. I'm no longer in Poco. I'm in the Eagles. You even got to do your own little song you got to do. I can't tell you why. This is your yep, moment. And then it all blows up and you're right back to like, damn it. Now, but here's my question. Well, and I'm
3: the one, and Jim, I know you remember this. When Jim decided to follow you and uh-huh. leave 610, uh-huh. I went into the studio and I said, Jim, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> you were right. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you've got a pretty steady gig here. It's probably not in danger of going away anytime soon. Do you really want to hitch your wagon to Josh?
2: <laughs> Nobody likes I told you so, Rich. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Now, think about this, though, because me and Jim were pretty tight. One thing I've always been able to do is, like, co-op producers to be, like, my right-hand man. And at times, just like I think in listening to your other show, I feel like at times there was a, a gang-up factor there with Ted and, and, and Sean sometimes. I think they kind of ganged up. I think me and, and Jim or me and Ben would gang up sometimes, and whether that's fair or unfair, it was the truth. That made for good radio. It did. But, like, it, like I, I, but so I believe, if I'm not mistaken, when I left... Jim, did did you want to work with Rich or Rich? Did you want to get Jim out of that show? Like, how did that work? No, I was perfectly fine with Jim <laughs> still being the guy. Is this true, Jim? Um,
2: yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so Rich, is <said> true. Because <laughs> <laughs> you eventually moved to the mornings. I did, it, yeah. It yeah didn't take I long. had nothing it was, to do. It was with about that. a month or two later.
1: Okay, okay. I was just wondering. So, what is your favorite uh, memory of your very short time working on the J and R show?
2: Um, There are actually three that come to mind. Wow, a trifecta. Um, Yeah, the wedding obviously was was a high point. Um, I'm really quick
1: to interrupt. That wedding, once I finally got to look at the numbers – it was the number one rated thing on the radio in Houston from 5 to 5:30 and it was just a terrible bit like it was it, it was all
3: about Roy Head.
1: It, Roy Head was there and old man <laughs> yep. Sam was there and there was a midget there. I don't know who all was there. But the thing had the biggest it was the number one most listened to thing men 2554 in Houston from 5 to 5:30. That one I had to see for sure and
2: it was true. Yep. Um, the uh, Looking for Royce White, that was another one that I... In home people. Really Oh, got some yeah. Out of that. that
3: that audio's got to be around somewhere. I
2: have the I have song. It. Do you, you have, have
1: it? Which, uh, do you have the audio of the song we played when we were... Lo- the, the, the Runaway Train, Royce White song?
2: Yeah, it's somewhere in a flash drive somewhere. I don't have it handy, but I have it. The well, funny cr- thing about that, about this flash drive, I, I put it all on this computer a while back, and I have my iTunes on that computer, and that's the only thing I use that computer for. Um, randomly, I'll be driving down the road and I'll hear... Richard, don't. I'm like, where'd that come from? Agnes. I guess I had that on that flash drive. Oh, and it
1: would Richard. just pop. That, to me, that, the two things that I loved the most that we did, we called your mom multiple times. We did. But we sent her the, the peppers and egg or whatever it was, sausage. That was but, on her
3: birthday. We sa- I sent her dinner, we had t- had the delivery guy on the phone singing happy birthday to her.
1: And then we called my grandma. We did. Uh, That's right. She- and she was on. And those were two of my favorite things we did. Uh, but, Jim, what was your third
2: uh, the time the three of us went to Vegas. Now, I know it wasn't on the air, most of it, but that night we spent at at the uh, pizza place. Naked like the City Naked Pizza. Naked City Cafe or whatever, yeah. Yeah, was that, it Naked we, City? We so much fun.
1: And that's the drunkest I've ever seen Jim. And that was the day that Jim called uh, Bootsy and left him yeah. that long message about how he, he loved him and stuff. So which,
2: which I didn't remember, and I didn't remember the next morning either. I remember walking into the ballroom, and I sit down, and you were on a roll at some... Uh, at some it was the Grease uh,
1: penny slot.
2: Yeah, so you didn't come to the show right away. Anyway, so I sit down, and Rich has got this look in his eye, like he was, like he just had this mischievous look in his eye. And I could, for the life of maker, figure out what it was until the voicemail start playing. Yep. He had worked it out with uh, Casio or whoever was running the board. It would have been Casio. It doesn't matter, but... Yeah, then I'm like, oh, okay, now I know why he's got this look in his eye.
1: That is the great Jim. Uh, Jim, we love you, buddy. Good talking with oh, you. Love you
2: guys too. Good yeah, to hear from you, easy. Jim.
1: Back to you know, yeah. go to work for the veterans. He select. What if he doesn't select a veteran that gets benefits? That's gotta suck, right? Like, sorry, I know that you're a veteran and all, but you gotta go. I'm sorry, like the tough. Hey, you know what? Thumbs be the brakes, bro. All right, uh, more after this here on the J and R party on the Josh Jenna show.
2: Go to your happy place for a happy
0: price. Go to your happy price, price, line. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. On ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Josh Innes. All
1: right, so it's the j reunion show here on 97.5. Of course, the Blitz, they're reunited today as well because AJ's been just floating down the river. Something Rich would not do because he's barely going outside due to the Rona. At the moment, no. Uh, but, but I you, like floating down. the. Road. Will you go to it when can, uh, G, Jenny is so sick of being at home and you've discussed how Jenny's sick of being She's at home. sick
3: of me being at home. Well,
1: I, that's fine. But can you go to a restaurant? Will she be better? Will you be able to uh, to quench her thirst for adventure if you go to a restaurant?
3: I think both of us are, are in agreement on this one. I don't know if we're comfortable going to a restaurant if it's not an outdoor patio.
1: Well, but there's a ton of those now. Yeah, it's going to be a yeah. hundred degrees here soon, so that's yeah, I think
3: we would do that. But an indoor dining room right now just doesn't feel right.
1: You know what's interesting? Shifting gears a bit. Yesterday, because Bill O'Brien had a message about all this stuff with George Floyd. So right, she, your wife, that. Jenny, would love to hang out with Bill O'Brien. He'd love to discuss <laughs> right. George Floyd with her, with Jenny. He's very engaging. Uh, but all of a sudden, this guy that's super hated by everybody because of everything that's happened in the last six months uh, is now kind of like forgiven a little bit because of his comments on Floyd. But if I remember the podcast correctly... There was an F bomb you dropped in relation to what's going on well, with the Texans.
3: I saw the Chronicle headline this morning that said Bill O'Brien angry and I
1: Whoa. thought, how does that make
3: how does that make a headline?
1: <laughs> yes. Doesn't he live his life in a state of yeah. anger? Well John McClain tweeted the other night yesterday, he goes, This is the most passionate and, and, and angry I've ever heard Bill. You're at every press conference of his, John. Yeah. You hear every one of them. He's always angry and surly and honest and passionate. Well,
3: what I said to you on my on your podcast, which I have no problem repeating on the air, and I'm actually, I've been looking forward to talking about this, was uh, last year, and you know what I'm going to talk about, uh, when they got their asses kicked at NRG Stadium by the Denver Broncos. Yep. Late in the regular season. I think they were down 31-3 at halftime. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows the video I'm going to reference when Bill O'Brien is walking into the tunnel and somebody with their cell phone video catches him. Someone in the very expensive seats, they, I guarantee you this was a seasoned ticket holder, yep. yells down to O'Brien two words.
0: Yep.
1: You suck. Yep, which everybody hears all the time.
3: And the man who is charged with running that franchise reacts by completely going ape you know what?
1: Yep. I just suck too. I just suck too, yep. I just suck too. Unbelievable. But can you give him credit for at least acknowledging that he also sucks? Cause the guy goes, you suck and he goes, well you know what I might suck. But you suck, too.
3: But here's the thing. When you're down 31-3 to a bad Denver Bronco team at halftime at home, Mm -hmm. you do suck. You do. The guy was right. Yes, you do. But it just illustrated (laughs) the short fuse we're, we're dealing with here and the emotional nature of his personality that we're dealing with here, which I think comes through and is to his detriment in many, many in-game decisions, he is just far too emotional. But I'm not even talking about that because that's that's a separate issue. But stopping and having to be restrained and going off and calling a season ticket holder an mf'er, er you're gone. You would have fired him? On the spot. If I could have been the guy that fired him at halftime, I would have fired him. You, There's no way you can tolerate... The guy who's now not just your head coach, but also your general manager, the face of the franchise, having a random fan yell, you suck, and reacted with reacting with a spew of F-bombs, MF-bombs, directed at said season ticket holder, he should have been fired.
1: But uh, you've been around long enough, so you've seen a lot of these guys. Like you saw you know, Kevin Gilbride get swung on by Buddy. I mean, you've seen all of these things. But he's
3: the leader. He wasn't just a guy. He wasn't just a coach. He wasn't just a team official. He was the leader, the face of the franchise, and he completely lost control of himself. I'm sorry. Those are the guys that pay the bills, pay the salary, his salary, the player's salary, the season ticket holders, and he randomly went off with mf mf'er after mf after mf I would have fired him that Monday.
1: See, sometimes I'm empathetic with fans and other times I'm not because fans are allowed to say anything they want based on purchasing a ticket, right? So it's a, it's, a, it's now incumbent upon you as a, a player who's getting MF'd and told all this stuff. Now, not in this case, but who knows all the stuff Bill O'Brien's heard. At some point, like, I'm okay with a player or a fan, like, in my mind, sometimes a, a fan deserves it. Sometimes you deserve to get it thrown right back oh, at you. Oh, fans cross cause the can, line. That can humble you. That can shut right. you up real no, quick. No, no, fans cross the line, but you suck
3: is not crossing
1: the line. <laughs> no, but responding to it. with You know what? Do you, you don't give him any credit for acknowledging that, you know what? I do suck, but you suck as well. No credit for at least some self-awareness. There's some self-awareness there when you're willing to say, you suck too. You didn't say, oh, I suck. No, you suck. (laughs) There was no no. It was, oh, yeah, I do suck, friend, but guess what? You suck too. I
3: still think it's inexcusable. And uh, my opinion of Bill O'Brien did not improve any when he moved DeAndre Hopkins.
1: Or what about at the draft when he's yelling at the phone? The best piece of audio, and I don't have it, but when he was asked about it, John McClain asked him, like, hey, you looked a little irritated. He goes, Oh, that? Oh, no. We were just messing around on the Zoom. Like... What uh-huh. Like what? Are you, like, what? kind of messing around on the Zoom is when you're clearly MFing another dude? And I believe right. he said something like, that's your fault or something like that. And he goes, no, we're just messing around on the Zoom. And then he deflects and starts talking about how they've gotten a bunch of deals done on the back patio. I and- mean, they,
3: they sacrificed a ton of draft capital for Laramie Tunsil, who led the league in false starts. Mm-hmm. And played well when he wasn't false starting. I, they, I acknowledge that. And then paid him the biggest contract in right. the league. But the DeAndre Hopkins thing, if I'm not mistaken, the, the, the net result of moving DeAndre Hopkins was Ross Blacklock and, and David Johnson. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, right? They,
1: well, they got a second and a fourth for that, too? And they gave up a four. Yeah, that's as, what it was. The well. second is the big part of right. it. Is that you so got this so Ross two.
3: Blacklock and David Johnson for DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. It's highway robbery. You
1: lost. Are you kidding you me? You lost, but he, and, I, and I don't want to defend him, but they're also not going to pay the guy $20 million for a receiver. So, I mean... They got a. They, if they would have gotten a first round pick, would why you, not? Because they're, they're paying Laramie Tunsell more than I, I, mean, they, I understand. But they got but to pay the quarterback.
3: isn't there a pretty strong? case that he's the best receiver in the NFL?
1: There is, but there's also a pretty strong case that you've got the best receiver in the NFL, and you really haven't won anything with him. So it's not his fault you haven't won. But that to me that tells me you've got other bigger issues than the wide receiver, right? And you've at least now, if you had a garbage quarterback, I say, hey, the the, the wide receiver's important. You've got a guy who could be all-world, so he right. can make a lot of guys better. But Yeah, like, but the old
3: adage is true in this case. If you're in a deal involving the trading of a superstar and you traded the superstar, you lost. You lost. Yeah, I'm sorry.
1: W- w- unless you're – well, that's not, not true for Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson traded Herschel Walker and got an entire draft. Yeah, that's, that's rare. the exception. That's not the rule. Uh, well, who, who's another example of that? Like, if he would have gotten a first-round pick, would you have been okay with that?
3: Well, it would have helped, certainly, but honestly, I don't move DeAndre Hopkins, period after what he's done for this franchise in the years he's been here, what he provided to Sean Watson. Look, I know that they've still, they've, they now still have some decent talent in, uh, in, uh, four and stills. And, uh, who's the guy they brought in, uh, Got to get traded every year.
1: Oh, well, what, the, what's his name from the uh, from the Rams? Uh, Cooks.
3: Yeah, Cooks. Brandon Cooks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some talent there, but none of them are DeAndre Hopkins.
1: No, but a lot of teams win without a DeAndre Hopkins too. I say that, but I'm thinking about all the teams that are winning, and they all have at least one elite wide receiver. It, it's I don't care that they traded DeAndre Hopkins. What I care about is they got nothing for him. They got the equivalent of a bag of balls. Well, for sure. Him. Yeah. And that's my problem. If they go out and they get a first and a second for DeAndre, you go, Well, you can go find a superstar. And they drafted a guy too, so we'll see. But e- yeah. It, it, there's no defending it. No, unless, there's not. But I, again, I'm not as big on DeAndre Hopkins just because he's great, but he's been here for X amount of years and they really haven't won anything. So if it, it would have led to getting more talent to make the team better, I don't know that it did that. He's also there every week. That's true. Hello, hello Will Fuller. They've been horribly mismanaged, like horrifically. Yeah. Makes you miss Gary Kubiak. Now, speaking of Gary Kubiak, you've got a great Kubiak story you told on the podcast. I, <laughs> I, I, this is like a fantastic story. So I want tell that, and then we're going to call okay. Ben here uh, before the end of the show as well to say hello. Stay there.
2: To
0: call into the HRNP listener line, dial 713 780 ESPN. Listening to the Josh Innes Show on ESPN 975 and on ESPN 975.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Josh Innes.
1: And it's interesting when you look back at it, Rich, that. The Gary Kubiak, at least the back half of the Gary Kubiak, or the, the middle of the Gary Kubiak era, was kind of the salad days for the Texans. 2011 and 2012, essentially,
3: because 2010 was that 6-10 and 10 season where they blew all those leads. Yep. And then, of course, 2013, we don't need to go there.
1: And 2011, they had Wade, of course, and that's where we did the Ken's Cutting Shop show, which I think was probably the best show we've maybe ever done. It was fun. Like, how was great old. was it that, like... I think uh, the ninja was in there getting a haircut, and then Wade just rolls in. He's getting a haircut. Then I got a text actually yesterday from Ken from Ken's Cutting Shop because I was talking about him on the air. Uh, they're awesome, and that was one of the best shows we did. No doubt. But no that doubt. see, that's the thing is, like you were, were you still on? Yeah, you were still on the air when the Texans won nine in a row a couple years ago. Sure, right? nobody seemed to care. Like they won nine in a row, but there was no vibe. Man, when they were when they went ten and six, and it was next man up. The place was on fire. It was. The next year, when they jumped out to the what were they nine and three or nine and two, whatever they started out that year, the city was on fire. Like I feel like it all died. You know where it all died to me was Monday. Was it Monday or Sunday night football in New England with the Jackets? Like the whole era ended almost right there because they still went to the playoffs and they were twelve and four. Well, but then in two twenty th- in two twenty thirteen they started two and zero and they had a big comeback on Monday Night Football yeah. against the Chargers to start the year. Yeah. I mean, we
3: all know they lost fourteen in a row after starting two and zero, but at two and zero, even with Schaub throwing pick six <laughs> they were two and zero.
1: It still looked like hey, maybe they're pretty good again. Yeah, it, but it was. It but you look back way. on it now, and you kind of look back and go. That didn't suck. Now, Shaw was never going to win a Super Bowl, and we know Shaw was never going to win a Super Bowl, but there's a lot of teams that would have taken a couple of years of 10-6, 12-4, first-round playoff victories. I mean, it's not much better than, say, the Bengals, but you beat the Bengals twice, so, hey, you know,
3: you weren't the Bengals. And obviously it was a new experience for this franchise that had been around since '02 and largely floundered uh, since their beginnings. And I believe it was 2011 when we went to Chicago for the Sunday night game.
1: Correct. Uh, You were obviously working and me and jilly just went to the game it was rainy and cold and uh jason campbell i think had to come in for the bears
3: and you're uh i believe you have uh, audio at uh, somewhere of us uh, drunkenly singing in the bar i do i got a video i,
1: I don't have the audio of it i'll show you the video okay. maybe i'll try to get it over to nick but ben texted it to me so, so
3: on that road trip and jenny actually made that trip also. she did yeah um like you said very cold rainy sunday night at at soldier field
1: which is a dump of a stadium, by the way. Like, it, it they, it's, it's uncomfortable. Well, it's they they
3: tried to modernize it by keeping all the old elements, and it just looks ridiculous.
1: It looks ridiculous, and the 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 corridors are very tight. The yeah. seats are close. It's a it's a bad stadium. So
3: a very hard fought Texans win on Sunday Night Football, and. Uh, I believe the Texans knocked Cutler out of that game. They
1: did, which is nothing new. Tim Tim Dobbins, maybe? uh, I think so, because Cutler gets knocked out of every game, basically. Pretty much.
3: So the game ends. Texas won the game, and I'm down on the sideline. And by the way, I'm so blessed to have spent seven years on the sideline. That was the best gig of my professional
1: career. Despite the fact you had your Giants hats on at the radio station when we were Right,
3: not on the sideline.
1: (laughs) But at the station, yes.
3: So everybody is soaked to the skin that was out on the sideline for the game. We come up into the Texans' locker room after the game, and of course they're celebrating, they're happy. And part of my gig in those days was to go into the Texans' locker room after the game, and I would get a one-on-one with Gary Kubiak, two and a half, three minutes at the most, that I would send immediately back to the station, and they would run it on the post-game show. I really enjoyed it. The late Bob Allen, God rest his soul. Yep would do his one-on-one for Channel 13, and then I would do my one-on-one, you know, TV always before radio. Of course. So in Chicago, we're soaking wet, we're cold. Gary's great as always. He does my the two two and two and a half, three minutes with me. It's great. And also part of my deal was after I got done with Gary Kubiak, I would have to go in the Texans locker room and get two or three interviews with a few players and send that back to the post-game show as well. So I get done with Gary Kubiak, and he's got this cold towel, cold wet towel around his neck, and we're done with the interview. He takes the towel off, and he kind of looks at me. He goes, "That was something out there, wasn't it, Rich? I said, yeah, that was amazing. He says to me, you want to drink a beer?
1: That's awesome.
3: I'm going to stop right here like I did with you on the podcast. Yep. An NFL coach has just minutes removed from a hard-fought win on the road in Chicago. Prime time. Offered to share a private beer in his office with me. There's no one else in there. Kevin Cooper was in there.
1: This is a choose-your-own-adventure here. What are right. you doing?
3: How about a beer? I looked at him and said, I'd love to, but... Oh,
1: God!
3: I uh, I need to get a couple of uh, interviews with a few of your players for the station, and I left. Oh, I got to go talk to Tim Dobbins. I've got to go out there and talk with... You blew that one. To this day, it nauseates me to tell that story. You, you don't
1: pass those opportunities up.
3: Now, I'll, that, that, I'll never have that opportunity again. Uh, absolutely not! An Can, NFL head coach just asked if I wanted to share a beer in his office
1: with him, and I said... Eh, what if you? What if you hurt? What if you hurt his feelings? What if? Like, what if that? Like he thought this was his way of saying, "Rich and I are going to become friends after this. We're going to have a beer. We're going to become text buddies. We're going to go fishing together." That could have been your life. Do you ever look back on that one moment and go, "Where my life would have gone differently had I had that beer with Gary Kuby? I
3: don't know if there's a moment in my life I regret more.
1: <laughs> and you've had regrettable moments.
3: We all have. There's no question. We've had many, many regrettable moments. There's no question. It could. Just think how cool the story would have been had I had that beer or beers. Yo, oh God, because you don't just sat drink here, one. And then sat here and told you about it. God, you guys Instead, were, I said, nah, I got work to do.
1: God, I got to go get interviews. My God. Now, yeah, I've, that's a I've tough asked, one. I've
3: asked a, a few other people who cover that team on a regular basis. Yep. Coop's ever offered you a beer in his office after a game? Not one.
1: Because he liked you. You he, guys could have been friends. My know, regrettable one that's similar. And it's because I had to work. So the parade's happening downtown Houston for this, the World Series. And they send me down there to broadcast, right? So somehow, even though there were the flagship station, you want to talk about a mistreated flagship station. That's one of them. I'm standing on the corner by some homeless guys doing this. There are other radio stations that are perched higher up. And here I am down here. So I set up for the uh, the the broadcast. And the Clydesdales ride by. Yeah. Jim's yeah. there with me. Jilly's there with me. And we walk out because our headphones aren't working, so we go just to talk to some people for a second. The Clydesdales pull up, and the guy knows us from the radio. He's, he's the guy that's, that's with Bud, and he's working the Clydesdales or whatever. He says, listen, this, these Clydesdales were supposed to have a bunch of former players, and they're just not here. Do you guys want to ride on the Clydesdales during the World Series parade? Oh. And I said, God, yes, we do. So Jim waddles his ass up there, Jilly's up there. I call my boss, and I say... Listen, they want me on the Clydesdales. I will call in from the phone, but have somebody back at the studio. He goes, no, you have to be broadcasting this from this corner for this. And I was furious. I'm like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime moment. Sure. Me. Like, these are the Clydesdales. It's one thing if you're on, like, a double-decker bus, and it's like, hey, it's the Clydesdales. It's here comes the king. It's everything. It's all. It's, they had a Dalmatian there. And the guy's in the hats and the green pants. And I could have done it and I wanted to do it, but Jim and Jilly did, right? So as they're going down, you see all these buses oh. pass, and there's like double-decker buses, people waving. The Clydesdales come by, and according to Jim and Jilly, it was just a bunch of people going, Jim Mud. Jilly, where's Josh? Oh. He's, like, he's over here having the, the the feed drop every five minutes, That's trying brutal. to fight off homeless people to, to call the parade yeah. like I'm some dope on the local news.
3: And like my Kubiak story, you'll never get that chance that again. That will
1: never happen again. Like, how, What are the odds that, like, yeah, Lance Berkman's supposed to be here, but yeah, you know what? You guys hop on because someone needs to be on the Clydesdales. Two dopes, Jim and Jilly on the Clydesdales. And like, the funny part is, so David Nuneau, who's a very nice guy, but David, every time I'd ask him to do something on the show, he'd be like, "No, I can't," for whatever reason. I don't know what it was, but he couldn't do it. So he's walk, he, like he's out there broadcasting live. Jim and Jilly come by on the Clydesdales, and Nuno's like, "Is that Jim, Mudd and Jilly just on the Clydesdale?" Like it was, like I would give my left nut to have that opportunity <laughs> again. Like that's an opportunity you don't get. <laughs> I'm. I mean, when I tell you that I was miserable, I'm still. Now I sold it on the air like, oh boy, this is the greatest moment in the history of the city. And after the hurricane, deep down, I'm festering. Like, will you? bastards who gets this opportunity to be on the klyza and my dopey wife and my dopey producer up there waving to people and i'm just and standing there fighting off the hobos nearly
3: three years later that moment doesn't feel as golden as it did that day
1: no it does not no it
3: doesn't you know how much i regret not being on the air when the sign stealing scandal broke
1: oh i bet that one i mean
3: come on let's face it yeah. that, that's the that's the kind of material people in our business pray at night to have to talk about on their shows.
1: On a scale of 1 to 10, as we go into break here, scale of 1 to 10, how much do you think that affects or impacts how you feel about that World Series win? How I feel? Yeah, you personally. Scale a 1 to 10, 10 being the most negative, like it's tainted, it doesn't matter, 1 being doesn't yeah. matter.
3: It's about a 4 for me. Yeah, I think It's not fair. overwhelming for me, but I think the public perception is a much higher number.
1: It won't bother you until some dope goes, it didn't count, it's tainted, and then you go, screw you, I mean, they had the best team in baseball. The one I'm mad at is A.J. Hinch. I think A.J. Hinch is a dope that could have brought all of it to an end, and I would never hire that guy for a job, ever. He could have shut that thing down, and this wouldn't even been an issue, but instead he beat up. Some TVs. Way to go, Ike Turner. You're awesome. Monumentally stupid. All right, so we'll check in with Ben Nance here in a second, the original producer of the j and Show, and we'll wrap things up when we come back.
0: ESPN. ESPN. You're listening to The Josh Innis Show. On ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Josh Innes. All
1: right, uh, wrapping things up today. Two hours does go by fast. when you We did five when we first started doing that show. For, I believe, uh, 16 months. I we did that it, for 16 months? I
3: counted every day.
1: And at one point, like, they were like, why don't we just replay some stuff in the six? And I'm like, no, we are radio professionals.
3: It, five hours on the air, you basically come out on your hands and knees every
1: day. You're like, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, but Ben Nance was there for most of those. Ben, of course, was uh, the producer uh, of the original. He was the first of three producers of the j show. There was him, then John Cassio, who might have only been there for 10 minutes. Uh, and then uh, and then uh, Jim, but Ben is here now from Chicago. By the way, Ben has like a mansion he lives in now. Really? It is not a mansion. It is totally it is a mansion. A mansion. You, so his he and his wife moved out of their uh, they The had lovely nice, Lisa. Yes. Now they had a very nice apartment in in you know downtown Chicago. Right. It's so nice, in fact, that the rioters went and looted the whole shopping center under it a couple of days ago. <laughs> didn't they? Didn't they occasionally lock themselves out of that apartment? I know oh, they they've done some things. <laughs>
0: we did.
1: <laughs> so so. So Ben, though, I see these pictures. They've moved out to kind of the Burbs in Chicago. He's got a basketball goal and an above-ground swimming pool. Is that a hoops goal?
4: It's a nice goal and a swimming pool, and we now have 3,500 square feet. Look at you. And let me tell
1: you something. And,
3: and, and my hoops basketball goals and sporting equipment reference just went right past both of
1: you guys. No, I, no, no, I, no, I, got, I got it. it. That's, that's a typical rich thing, always working in the, uh, the sponsor. Now, here's the thing, though. So this above-ground pool, that's like a status symbol in Chicago. Like, that's a symbol of power. When you've got an above-ground swimming pool in Chicago, you're like the elite Power? Oh, that's power! You got an <laughs> above <laughs> ground swimming pool and a basketball goal and thirty five hundred square feet. But uh, but Ben is here. So Ben, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Rich Lord Here I
3: am well. I am I am gainfully unemployed. So am I. So, <laughs> so am I. Wait, you're unemployed?
4: <laughs> what the hell? Yep. Well, I lost it with the corona and all that. So. Oh man,
3: what about Lisa? She still working?
4: Oh yeah, she's still working. She's at the
1: NBC station here in Chicago. So very nice. So Ben plays a lot of Xbox, and now he's just got more space to play a lot of Xbox. Uh, <laughs> so he's not cramped up in a tiny apartment now. And Lisa's at work, and know, I didn't know this. So did Lisa like was, like because she was covering the the riots in Chicago and the the protests and the looting and all that? But she wasn't supposed to be on the air, right? But then they brought no. her in.
4: No, she was supposed to be on the air, but they put her, like, right in the middle of it, and they gave her a security guard who was armed with a gun because it was super dangerous. Whoa.
1: I mean, that, wow. that, she's out there doing work is what she's doing. And we're sitting here just like, hey, remember that time we yelled at each other on the radio? <laughs> and she's like, well, my, my, my security guard has a gun during these rides. So, but Ben was there for I want to say, we started in, in 11 or at the end of 10, right? It was 2010, December. Yeah, late,
3: in, late in the football season in 2010.
1: The first day of the show was the day after the Texans blew a game to the Ravens on Monday Night Football. It was a pick six in right. overtime from Matt Schaub.
3: For one segment, it was known as Innocent Rich.
1: Uh, oh oh. and the thing is we never agreed with that like we didn't but i talked i was trying to take the same kind of sound as this radio station had in boston it was a show called toucher and rich and i was like i think this works so innocent rich and i said it one segment and the the segment ends we're sitting at the house of blues and you go listen you you can do whatever the hell you want but this ain't innocent rich and it ain't gonna be innocent rich (laughs) and i was like what we have done is we have set a tempo now we have a we have we have set this now we so when you... I think I looked at you and said, I never agreed to that. I did not agree to this.
4: <laughs> Which is kind of a microcosm of the whole JNR show in general. It, it was? It definitely set the tone. It
1: did. It was a tone setter. But when you look back, what, did, what do you take away? What was the biggest like, blow-up or altercation or fight that you recall from that? Oh, my God. Well, there, I mean, there's so many
4: of them. But, I mean, you guys hit on a couple of them. I was listening earlier. But, obviously, the Frank Caliendo thing was just an utter disaster. That was okay. And I got stuck on the other end of it in the, you know, in the producer room. They gave me the PR guy who's sitting there listening to you two go back and forth. Josh tells me on air, hey, call my dad. Rich tells me in my ear, don't call his dad. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do here. (laughs) And like the the PR guy is like, is this how they always are? And I'm like, yep, well, that's exactly how they always are.
1: (laughs) <laughs> I think the worst fight was in Gavin's office. Was that was uh, which one was that? Because we had when well, We did have a fight in the other Dopey program director's office. What was that dude's name? That's now in the. In well, the I'm, I'm not gonna call Ryan Dopey. Well, I <laughs> That's will. Your word. He was. Dope, but the time that he fight like when we you were already gone at this time, Ben. But yeah. when we finally decided that I was going to leave, there was still like five months or so left that I had to work there. And I re- I recall you just ripping me like, why are you blowing? Like, why are you gonna end this? Like, why is this gonna? Like, you were ticked off at me. And eventually Ryan just got angry and he said, "Josh, cuz I want to do my own shows. Like can I do my own thing, right? Like put me on a different show." And he goes, "We're choosing Rich over you." And I said, <laughs> "Fair enough. Fine with me." And that was that was our, you know, life. And then Rich got his come cuz they chose Sean. <laughs> Correct. It all comes back around. Absolutely accurate. But we had um <laughs> but we had like there were big blow-ups. There were good times though, too. I mean,
4: I, were, I just... And the, and the real hard part was like, I mean, like you would go to the bathroom and Rich would be like, man, working with Josh is just a pain in the ass. And then, you know, Rich would go to the bathroom and Josh would be like, oh, Rich, I don't, I don't know if this is going to work out. I'm like, <laughs> and then Gavin would talk to me and say, can't you make it work with those two? And I'm like, I can't do anything like
3: <laughs> there's nothing I can do. I don't even remember what the argument was, but there was a post-show meeting in Gavin's office were, I, I feel like it was the closest we ever came to blows.
1: Which neither one of us is ever going to punch anybody, but yeah. No,
3: you're right. But, I mean, that was, you know, basically we were screaming at the top of our lungs and Gavin just said, okay, 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 you guys need just go home, go home.
4: But isn't that kind of what made the show so good, though? I mean, as much as you did get along, it was like, you know, on point. But when you didn't get along, it was ugly, but it was
1: also very listenable. Well... I guess. Or maybe it was just everything else in town sucked. I don't know. Like I, I wonder these things. <laughs> I often wonder, was that show even any good or was everything else so bad? Uh, but no, we had... Uh
4: there were moments there were great. I remember I remember when we did that uh, hottest media woman tournament that was that controversial that was controversial
1: now if we <laughs> would do that today we would have all been fired within 10 minutes but you remember, oh, yeah well if, remember this we did the bracket it was a hottest local sure. media women the, the, some of these ladies locally this is just tell you how different the world was at the time they were calling up like 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 uh, 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 campaigning to win yep like some of these local news chicks were like well uh, how am I only an 11 seed or whatever like <laughs> the world was a completely different place all of you know eight years ago, it was completely. And they accused the, me of tampering with the results. They did like they, it was a really screwy situation. Like, <laughs> but we always got ourselves into mischief. That's and, what made and my,
3: I don't know if you recall this, but my top choice back then still has Mad Game as we
1: speak. Who's that? Jessica Willie. Look at you, Mad Game. Mad game. <laughs> now, oh <laughs> uh, God, do you remember? You were- uh, we also wore. Uh, I went to do something with a sponsor that lasers hair off of your body. And they gave me two fake boobs, like two yeah. silicone. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the chick that waxed me. That was different. Oh, I was thinking was the wax. That was full body wax. This was a place that they did like a laser neck hair. Oh, moment. okay, okay. So, but that they were like a cosmetic surgery place, so they showed me the difference between a silicone and a saline breast. So I took both of them. I'm like, this sounds like a bit we could do today. So I bought a sports bra, and I had me and Ben put on sports bras and put in the silicone <laughs> and the saline. And I walked around the office asking people to tell me which one was saline and which one was silicone. Oh, yeah, so you're saying those boobs aren't real no and they're a lot smaller than they used to be i've lost like 30 pounds thank you very much <laughs> uh, but uh, you even took it to the big boss's office and he was not pleased with you no but he squeezed um, he, did squeeze. he squeezed so it's a different world man it was a it different was. world back then dude what was your favorite moment uh, uh working on the jnr show
4: oh man i don't know i mean like i said probably the caliendo thing but just you know, the Cardinals jersey thing also, you guys just fighting in general. There was so much of it, but, you know, when you took off your shirt and just threw it against the wall and stormed down the hallway, <laughs> and you're sitting there, you know, shirtless, shirtless with your man man cans hanging out. <laughs> I mean, and me and Richard just looking at each other like, what in the... <laughs>
1: I think I took the jersey like, threw it, and then I threw it in the garbage. Like, this is, is this what you want? I,
4: I will tell you that one of the times
3: I was probably pissed off as much as any time was when you guys thought it would be funny to not be there when the show started. Oh, Oh. yes. Hey, let's see what Rich does if we're not there at 2 o'clock. Oh, yeah, it was
1: not good. No. It was not good. Again, you know what it was? It was one of my typical kind of passive-aggressive, like, oh, because I think the day before you might have been late. There's like two minutes late or something. Okay. And that had to have been why I did that. It probably wasn't because I was, like, just being an a-hole. I was like, all right, let's see how this works. See how you like it, Chief. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and we came in late, and that did not end well. Didn't go over well. No. <laughs> but the, it, was, it was a wild ride for such a short-lived radio show. Yes. <laughs> it, had, it had the same amount of drama as shows that have been around together for 25 years. Yep. Now, it's how
3: like
4: come, an old married couple.
3: How come I got to ask you this, Josh? It's probably because you were so pissed off at me at the time. But how come you no-showed at Ben's little uh, going away thing we did at Irma's? Yes.
1: Uh, first of all, I don't even remember that. Ah. I I honestly don't, but I I truly, I don't, but it was probably because I was mad that Ben was leaving and his wife, who wasn't his wife at the time, but she hated me and she hated (laughs) me so much that when I went to the wedding, Jilly was in the wedding. And I wasn't in the wedding, so I just sat at a bar, you know, during the ceremony and got hammered while they got because I, I you wasn't blew in the, off the ceremony. Oh, I was there. It was in a it was in a facility at the Navy Pier in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So like there was a place like in the middle, like an atrium, but right next to it was a Mexican restaurant with a bar. <laughs> so I just sat at the Mexican restaurant in the bar. To be fair, they almost got not married that day because uh, there was a there was a giant no, yeah, did, a was fight, giant fight on a All bus, right. and I right. and I watched, and then your wife blamed me for that too. Your wife blamed me for all of the issues. I'm the least of your issues. You've got tons of deadbeat friends, and I was the biggest issue. You (laughs) you guys are still friends? Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) Well, barely. (laughs) (laughs) No, but then, like, and I held that against him forever. Like, oh, we're friends, but I'm not in your wedding. And now,
4: I'm not kidding. Like, every single time since we've hung out, like, outside of that, since then, probably, like, ten times, you've left, like, eight times.
1: Yes. Angrily. I'm I'm like, I'm out of here. But, in fairness, now his wife, Lisa, likes me, I think. No, she loves you now. It's bizarre, but back then she like me and you, Rich. We hated each other. Now we like each other. But you know what, Josh? What?
3: And Ben, I think you'll be with me on this. You have changed.
1: Yes. You have, James. Oh, well, well, I guess, is is that You have grown up. You have matured. Yeah. I I would agree with that. When you get fired and you're out of work for 16 months, it's a time to reflect. Maybe you'll mature a little little bit now. Maybe Rich will mature (laughs) a little bit now that he's been out of it for 11 months. No, you're easier
4: to like now than you used to be. Thank you. I appreciate that. And so are you.
1: You were a lot to work with back
4: then, but now... (laughs) You have changed. I agree with you. Well,
1: there we go. Now that we've had therapy, we got to go because they're playing <laughs> us off here because Fred and AJ have to get in. But we we'll love right, you, Ben. We'll see you. Go buddy. hang out with Jenny Lord. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go watch Cuomo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> see you later, dude. Say we hi to Lisa. See you, man. Uh, That's uh, Ben Nance, everybody, who used to produce the show. Great dude. Yes, he is. Well, this was fun. Uh, it flew by, so that's the best indication that we had a good time. Absolutely. Of course, thanks to all the people that watched on Twitch. There was a big number of people watching on Twitch today, and you can follow that Twitch and everything else. And who knows? Maybe we'll do it again. I would love that. I need you to dispose of your microphone condom, though. I can do that. You need to do that because uh, Fred's not going to like that there. Uh, Josh, I'll be here anytime. Say the word. Absolutely, man. Thank you, Nick. All right. We'll be out of here uh, now, but uh, Fred and AJ are on the way with the Blitz. Be good.
0: 37.5.